0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 26 of the Tom Dick and Hyman Show. With me, Tom, and no Hyman, as he's let me down once again. First he let me down, he couldn't do Saturday, so I said, alright, what about Friday evening? Yeah, I can do Friday evening, Friday afternoon he lets me know he can't make it. So I rearranged for another recording on Saturday, to be done with Tim. And then an hour before he was supposed to come... He texted me to let me know he would not be making it. Anyway, regardless, the show must go on. Later, I'm going to be talking about CM Punk's UFC debut. The Great British Bake Off being sold off to Channel 4. And in a way from one old, differing dear to another, Hillary Clinton. She had a, quote, stumble. Ready, steady, faint. Yes, that's right. Dear old Hillary Clinton. She did not have a good week this week. She had a little stumble. stumbling in quotation marks there. Wasn't really a stumble. She pretty much fell on her face. She was at a 9-11 memorial last Sunday, September 11th. Never forget. Never forgive. And uh, she left this memorial very abruptly. And her campaign team, they... Uh, They made sure that she was able to leave without any of the mainstream press that basically follow Hillary and Trump around all day, every day on the campaign trail. And uh, She wrangled it so they wouldn't be there to see her leaving. And uh, they initially cited the cause of Hillary's abrupt exit as being it was a hot day and the hot weather caused Hillary to overheat. Now that actually turned out to be kind of bullshit. And that's pretty much, uh, that's a Clinton M.O. Is basically, You just lie, you try and lie your way out of it up until the point that the lie becomes completely untenable. Then you tell the truth and you make out that you were completely transparent about it from the beginning. That's kind of what took, old oh, Bill down. Looking like it might be what takes Hillary down too. So initially Clinton's team said, oh, it was a hot day, it was hot weather, Uh, A lot of uh, astute New Yorkers who were there at the time, essentially, they realised it's not a hot day at all. It's pretty mild. It's a nice day, but it's not a hot day. Suspicions were instantly aroused. Hillary tried her best to hide this. The mainstream media, they were pretty happy to go along with the overheating spiel up until the point that a video emerged later in the day that was actually kind of disturbing. I mean, um, if you look... In the description for this episode, if you click on the actual episode link and then look in the little description and there'll be related articles or related links there. And if you click on the one that says Hillary stumble in quotation marks, I have to remind myself to do this when I listen back Put that link in. You click on that now. Stop doing what you're doing right now. Forget about writing that email. You do that in a minute. Go click on that link and uh, I'll watch this along with you at the same time. Yeah. All right. Cool. You doing it? Clicking on a link, All right, Okay, because I'm clicking play. All right, you ready? Play. So right now, she she looks like a mannequin, like she's stiff as anything. But lots of secret service agents. And look, oh, there she goes. She's fallen. It kind of. I mean, you can't really see 100% clearly but she does at some point yeah at one point she does look as though she just completely falls forward flat on her face now if you uh seek out the close-up videos where people have zoomed in digitally you can actually see she's not moving under her own power like i say, when she's standing leant up against the ballard she's she looks like an actual mannequin like a doll completely lifeless like a, just stiff as a board In the zoomed-in close-up videos, you can see Hillary's right foot is dragging along the ground. She's not lifting it, and that's how you know she's not moving under her own power. The Secret Service agents around her are literally carrying her into this black, looks like a little minivan. Now, here's how we can be kind of sure, not 100% certain, but we can be kind of sure that the mainstream media are colluding with each other on this one. uh, They're all adopting the exact same line on this. In every headline regarding this story, they use the word stumble. Hillary stumbled. Hillary had a stumble. Now, stumble is when you have a stumble. That's when you almost fall over. You don't actually fall over. An actual stumble is when you're walking along the street and a little bit of pavement sticking out, and you trip over it, and you almost fall over, but not quite. And you go into that sort of light jog to try and save face. So, oh yeah, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't nearly fall over. I just did a little, just doing a little run. So what happened to Hillary was not a stumble. She fell over. She collapsed. Like I say, it's the Clinton MO to try and initially lie your way out of almost everything and then tell the truth later, admit to it later. So after this video came out and went viral, spread all across the internet, the Clinton team revealed that actually, oh, um, she didn't really overheat. uh, She's been diagnosed with pneumonia, which is not entirely serious. It's kind of semi-serious, I guess, but not not going to kill you, and it uh, should only last a few days. The diagnosis of pneumonia would explain the recent coughing fit that Hilly was having in the last couple of weeks. However, and I double-checked this, and went back and looked, because I'm pretty sure she's been... I was certain she's been having these coughing fits more than a week or so, and she's been having these coughing fits since at least February of this year. She's had four or five different incidents of these coughing fits. So I'm willing to buy the pneumonia explanation. In a way, I'm a little bit sceptical because has she been getting pneumonia on and off for the last seven or eight months? Is that, is that how it's been going or is, is her immune system completely shot? Can she not withstand like a common cold? Now, what raises suspicion is the fact that, of course, initially earlier on in the day, she lied about it. Well, I suppose it's not, it's not Hillary who lied. It's her team who lied about it. What well, also kind of adds the the uh, fantasies of the conspiracy theorists. Hillary back in 2012, she uh, she collapsed and I think she hit her head on something like a desk, something like that. And as a result of that, she had a blood clot in her brain. And uh, she was um, cleared, you know, the doctors had a good look at her, came to a conclusion. She had made a full recovery, but still she wasn't able to do a full day's work. She could only do about four or five hours and then she had to go home also adding to the suspicion is the fact that whereas people are saying Donald Trump hasn't released his medical records why 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 should Hillary release hers well there aren't photos of Donald Trump struggling to get up a flight of stairs unaided struggling to get up a ramp unaided she was like gripping onto the handrail she doesn't seem to be able to stand f- for more than about 15 20 minutes without having to sit down or at the very least lean on something or someone and all of this has culminated all of this is added up and it's now a popular conspiracy theory that hillary clinton actually has parkinson's and there's this guy who i mean he is actually i think i'm pretty sure he is a real doctor but unlike most doctors who wouldn't be willing to make a diagnosis through press tv in the mainstream press they'd rather do it in person he's adamant that she does in fact have Parkinson's. And, He's pointing to the fact that her hands, she does this certain, her hands go into this certain position with her fingers and her middle fingers underneath. There's a little fingers here. She's got these wide eyes. It's like, listen, the whole, the wide eye thing, especially the wide eyes at the balloon, this is, I'm telling you, this is someone, someone in Hillary's team went to Hillary and said, listen, we, we went to the focus group and they think you're not human. They think you're kind of a robot. that You don't really have human emotions. And so they set it up, you know, when the balloons drop. At the end of the uh, Democratic convention, she does that big whoa, whoa, balloon. I have human emotions. It didn't really work out. That's what that's kind of like what everyone points to to suggest that she has Parkinson's backfired. But to be honest, that video is not conclusive proof of Parkinson's in any way. But this is the thing with Hillary. She, um, proving the old adage is still highly relevant and applicable today. The boy who cried wolf, or in this instance, the old woman who cried wolf. You can't lie 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 all the time well not all the time you can't lie a lot and then expect people when you're when you're actually telling the truth you can't expect people to believe you that's the principle hillary never really well not just hillary i think she kind of got it from bill or maybe she was evil to begin with and that's why they get along i don't know should also should also mention hillary was wearing these uh very blue sunglasses these tinted blue sunglasses but really blue and there are supposedly glasses out there for not just parkinson sufferers but people who tend to get routine seizures and what these glasses do supposedly they reduce the number of seizures you get and they also help out with uh, motor skills i watched this video where a guy gets out of his chair walks 10 feet forward turns around comes back when he's not wearing the glasses there's a real major struggle for him as soon as he puts the glasses on he can do it almost perfectly i think he was a parkinson sufferer that video I watched on YouTube. So, there isn't conclusive proof that Hillary Clinton actually has Parkinson's, but you can't be blamed for being suspicious about it. It doesn't help, Hillary, that Trump released his medical records on a major national syndicated TV show as well, actually. Dr. Uz. And the report basically was he's overweight, and for a billionaire, he's got a bit of a weird slouch. Nothing we didn't already know slouches he slouches kind of like sort of dauphin anyway and uh, what's also strange is hillary didn't go to the hospital she didn't really go to a doctor private doctor or anything like that she went to chelsea clinton's apartment in manhattan and an hour and a half later hillary emerges looking absolutely fine looking like a million dollars still wearing the blue sunglasses but uh, she came out looking good high energy as donald trump might say and the little girl comes running over and she gives her a hug and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, she runs off. And um, conspiracy theorists, have uh, they're convinced that, well, look, if she was suffering from pneumonia to the point that she looked like how she did in that video, there's no way she would have come back out only after about 90 minutes looking perfectly fit and healthy. And uh, some of them have gone so far as to suggest that it was actually a body double, like a Saddam Hussein-esque. <laughs> it's got dozens of these body doubles all over the country making it so like she appears in two places at the same time or whatever if if that was a body double it was a really good one because there's a bit where a reporter asks her a question and Hillary says something to the effect of I'm fine and the, the voice was spot on if it was, that was if that was an impersonator they've got the voice down or maybe it's the CIA voice technology there's a little chip in that body double's throat makes her sound exactly like Hillary a shrill grandmother chip so Nothing new for Hillary. She had a few days off, which she's pretty much been doing the last several months. Basically, since she became the nominee, she hasn't made half of the uh, public appearances or TV appearances that Trump's been making, which does make a difference, especially in um, American elections. Makes a big difference indeed. So she hasn't been on people's TV screens for about four or five days. And uh, it's been highly beneficial to Trump, in a way, Trump's approval ratings, uh, people's desire, the number of people out there who are willing to vote for Trump isn't really going up. It's just the number of people willing to vote for Hillary is steadily declining. So Trump's not really catching up to her. She's kind of catching down. Can you catch down to someone? She's plummeting. And uh, she's plummeting in swing states. So there are certain states that are always going to vote Democrat, vote Republican. And then there, there are the swing states are the ones that you really want to go after. And if you recall, we've said before on the Tom, Dick and Hyman show, that's what, um, that's what Hyman, that's what Trump needs to do. He needs to do what the conservatives did in 2015. Just forget, forget about the seats, the states, constituencies that you're never, they're just never going to vote for you no matter what. You can't get them. Forget about them. Don't waste any time, money or resources trying to get those votes. Stick to the swing states. And I think that's uh, what Trump's starting to do now. Smart move. And what's backfiring for the media, who we've said repeatedly, with the exception of Fox News, they've come out full, 100% in favour of Hillary Clinton. They're doing everything they can. I think I think there was a CNN anchor this week that just glibly said it. We've done, oh my God, no one's, no one's done more than us to get Hillary in the White House. And you know, I'm kind of, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with lack of impartiality in journalism, as long as they're upfront about it, as long as you know where you stand. That's the problem with Fox News. They keep saying they're fair and balanced. They're not fair and balanced. They were never designed to be fair and balanced. Fox News, by his design, puts forward a highly conservative viewpoint. And it's backfiring this support of Hillary where they attack Trump. They've built him up to be, you know, they quote literally Hitler crypto fascist. White nationalist scum who's going to lock up all the ethnic minorities. He's not human. They've spent months dehumanizing him. And, and what that means is all Trump has to do to make them look like a bunch of idiots, a bunch of lying shits, is prove that he's not inhuman. Pretty Pretty low bar, right? Just prove you're a human, Trump, and you look good, the media looks bad. So that's exactly what Trump's done this week. He's proven what I've said all along, being smug about this one. He's not really a conservative. He's a Manhattanite, right-leaning liberal, but not a conservative, and he's most especially he's certainly not alt-right. He, some say at the behest of his daughter Ivanka, has come out with a uh, policy proposal for um, statutory maternity leave, which is something a Republican would never, ever do. A conservative would be highly unlikely to to propose something like that. It's a liberal, liberal policy. And so Trump, I think, is now showing his true colours I never bought into this. Oh, two years ago. Oh yeah, I had to, it was like it was like coming to Jesus. I had this conversion to conservatism. No, you didn't. You're just saying that to get the Republican nomination. Said it all along. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Hillary's problem is everyone knows the media is on her side. Everyone knows she's got a propensity for lying. And everyone knows the media has a propensity for lying. So they're really kind of stuck. Anything that they put out there that's in favor of Hillary is going to be instantly questionable in the sense of oh they're just saying that because they're desperate to get Hillary in the White House. On the flip side, anything negative they say about Trump will be immediately met with like this just undefeatable skepticism. So this has been one of the most topsy turvy U.S. elections of all time. It's just crazy. I mean, I uh, at the time of recording this, Hillary has come back. She's made her triumphant return from a bout of pneumonia, and she uh, graced the stage for the sounds of I Feel Good by James Brown, who died of pneumonia back in 2006. Because I think this has killed Hillary. Well, that's what I think. A week from now, Trump might say something fucking ridiculous, and then it'll, it's, it'll be going back in Hillary Clinton's favour again. You don't know. This is such a roller coaster ride of a, an election. Uh, well, poor old Hillary. I mean, Bill Clinton looks like he's moribund. He's basically fighting staving off death desperately one that could be looking at president trump i mean how how ridiculous is this like the republicans at the very very least they might actually be able to say look we're not that responsible for trump right as counterintuitive as that might seem because trump's wasn't trump wasn't the republicans candidate the republican party did not want trump to be their guy the democrats did want hillary And it's turning out that Hillary's the only Democrat candidate that can't beat Trump. Anyway, enough of that farce. Moving on. So, uh, from one dithering old dear to another, Mary Berry, she's got a tough choice on her hands. Should I stay or should I go? More on that in a sec. Oh, our beloved great British make off. It is leaving. Oh, beloved somewhat great british broadcasting corporation can you believe it So love productions the production company who make the great british bake-off they've uh, accepted an offer from channel four for 75 million pounds over three years shite at maths so i'm gonna try and figure out what that is per, per season i was gonna say i hate i hate, hate the fact i keep saying season it's an americanism I'm shy at math, so I'm not going to bother trying to work out what 75 million over three years is. Channel 4, they beat out the BBC's offering. Uh, one article I saw said it was £12.5 million. Pounds. Another one said it was £15 million. Pounds. I don't know if the latter got confused with the figure of uh, you know last year's Great British Bake Off, featuring the adorable Nadia. Oh, God, how... Oh, my God, for, like, a horrible cynic like me, how irritating was it, watching that, knowing that people on the right watching the finale going, oh, my God, god, two Asians in finale and one of them's gay? And then people on the left, once Nadia won, declaring that this is the proof that multiculturalism works. Like, what? going to take more than that. And um, as news of this story broke... There was an instant narrative that the media was pushing, um, quite heavily implying that Love Productions were being really greedy, uh, denying the BBC's not exactly modest offer. I mean, I think it was almost twice what they paid for the prior three series. I think they used to pay about six, seven million for for three series. Offered either 12 and a half or 15, depending on what newspaper you read. And it seems like the response from the public has been one of disdain towards Love Productions. They've, you know, taken the media narrative and ran with it. It's greedy bastards! And they seem to be hoping that, uh... Well, you know, there's that initial anger that something changed. You know, audiences are very, very Pavlovian when it comes to, like, long-running TV series. Any kind of minor change leads to anger, panic. They seem to be really hoping that Channel 4 just don't make any sort of success for it, and that hopefully it tanks Love Productions. So since the media narrative, the instant response was that of the greedy production company taking too much money. Satiable avarice. Mel and Sue, lovable hosts of the Great British Bake Off. Pretty good comic duo. I think I first saw them on, I think, was it Channel 3, Channel 4, Late Lunch? What was that, like 96, 97? They've been going strong for a while. Attained that kind of national treasure TV host status. They've come out. They came out instantly and said, "Yeah, look, we're not. We're not going to Channel Four. BBC is the home of the Great British Bake Off. We're not. You know, they don't. It's a shame we live in this world where people are so fucking cynical. And I'm saying that as a cynic and a pessimist. That, but it's a shame that guilt by association isn't really considered a fallacy in our culture at the moment. So they've said, "Yeah, we're not going over Channel Four. That's it. We're done. We're not hosting the Great British Bake Off anymore." And it's put Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood in a bit of a sticky situation. My understanding these are just rumours, but uh, I believe Mel and Sue get paid one million pounds a piece per series. By contrast, Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood get paid five hundred grand a piece. And I would wager money that Paul Hollywood needs the money more than Mel and Sue do at the very least. Then about Mary Berry, she's been going for fucking decades. Probably amassed a good fortune, not a small fortune, a good sized fortune. If they don't come out swiftly, or the very least hint at the fact that they're not going to go off and join Channel 4, they don't want to be tarred with that greedy brush, they're going to look like absolute cunts. But they've got a tough, tough decision to make. Or they might, they might be able to just sit it out for a few months, let that initial anger fade away people will, might come to the t- conclusion, well, you know, it's still it's still the bake-off, still the same format, right? You know, the whole Top Gear thing all over again. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is it is it greedy to accept the highest offer? If you were selling a house and someone offered you the asking price and then someone else offered you, let's say, like 125% of the asking price, like, are you a dick for taking the higher offer? I don't know. I think this is, um, you know, TV... Even though there's public service... Broadcasters and are you know, publicly funded TV channels. It's still almost entirely a commercial market, and it operates in a commercial way. And intellectual properties are going to be sought after, and there's going to be bidding wars. I don't think it makes you a cunt just go to just go for the highest offer. However, that said, you know the aforementioned Top Gear debacle. You know, uh, not not proof positive that it's impossible to change the format of a show, to change the host of a show and make a success of it. But evidence that it is quite difficult. As I said earlier, audiences are Pavlovian. They um, a strained response. That's basically what like the intro music to a TV show does. It's kind of, Oh yeah, yeah. I like the show. Yeah. It's starting. Oh, I'm excited. Triggers a kind of memory. And so when channel four's great British Bake Off starts and it isn't Mel and Sue and their sexual innuendos that you're hit with straight off the bat, it's, it's going to cause a disconnect with the audience. They're going to be a little bit discombobulated. Like, wait, 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 hold on, wait, is this this Bake Off? Is it not? What's all going on here? And there's a way around that, but Channel 4 would have to spend a lot of money on marketing, on re-educating the audience on that this is a new Bake Off. It's not the old Bake Off. This is a new, improved Bake Off, which costs millions. Not a desirable prospect when you've already spent $75 on the show itself. Uh, I think it can be done. You know, you... Channel Four and Love Productions would have to find either a duo, you know, a pairing. They'd have to find a duo, a pairing that work really well together, or they can go, they can go a different route and uh, maybe get a solo presenter. But either way, either way, they're going to have to be that kind of national treasure level. Hypothetically, it could be, you know, it's possible. It can be done. So, for example, imagine you got either Stephen Fry or Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. Imagine them hosting Great British Bake Off. That could work. They can do sexual innuendos. I don't know, it might be weird coming from two men. But point being, there are ways out of it for Channel 4. They're not dead in the water yet. And bear in mind, money talks in this world. Everybody has a price. You know, and Sue, I mean, Paul Paul Hollywood, I think, could easily be got, he could easily accept a higher paycheck and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm coming over. No problems, no qualms whatsoever. Mary Berry, I think, could also probably be had, Or you don't know, everyone I think is kind of, probably have that kind of pull going of what year she's actually going to retire. Maybe this will kind of force her, well, not force her hand, but maybe it'll make her reconsider if she wants to keep going or not. And just, so, said at the start, the instant media narrative on this is that Love Productions were being extremely greedy and they weren't really respecting what they had with the BBC. After this narrative was established, Love Productions started releasing their own information out to the press about how they were in a spat with the bbc recently where the bbc did this program about hairdressing where they tried to find britain's best amateur hairstylist and because people in the press like telegraph guardian like tv critics reviewers because they all made the exact same comparison of it's like it's like bake-off for hairdressing Love Productions used that as evidence that the BBC were just copying <laughs> their, their apparently patented format. I don't I have no idea how that is possible. I mean, I'm pretty sure I mean, Bake Off has ex- always existed has always existed in one form or another since since after the Second World War, I think, and I think I think it's always the the Bake Off format TV show has always been always been hosted by Mary Berry, I think as well. But hasn't Masterchef been going longer? in G-B-B-O. gbbo hasn't that been going longer than bake off pretty sure it has pretty sure it's the exact same fucking premise it's just actual cooks versus amateur <laughs> you know amateur cooks versus bakers pretty much the exact same show but uh bbc took this one seriously enough that they actually made an out-of-court settlement they paid love productions to uh not sue them effectively so i mean that to me that's what makes love productions look like greedy bastards so, will Channel 4 make an absolute mess of it or not? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, everyone's going to point to Top Gear and go, No, of course, look. Look at Top Gear. Of course it can't work. I think Bake Off is such a simple premise and such... It's so easy to get emotionally invested in it. It's really easy. Like, the first episode, you'll pick out one or two contestants who you really like. doesn't have to be sexual. There's something about them. You'll connect with them and you'll be emotionally invested in seeing them do well. Sometimes it's the old big brother nasty Nick thing. You want to see them have their comeuppance and that's why you tune in. It's possible. They could make they could make a success of it. I think I expect Channel 4 and Love Productions to make a sizable offer to both Mel, Sue and uh, Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry. Uh, everybody has a price. Might not be over yet. I'll tell you what might be over. CM Punk's UFC career. One and done, I'm pretty sure. More on that in a sec. Shots there, heavy shots. And more here. That's gonna be it, ladies and gentlemen, wow, he got Pump out of it! Three. Very impressive, but he's going through it again. I think that's it. It is all over! Mickey, go! Submit CM Punk! Yeah, CM Punk there. Getting his ass kicked. Pretty hard. So almost two years after announcing his sudden and unexpected career change of moving from being a fake fighter to a real fighter. yeah, Back in, I think it was November 2014, he announced he'd signed with the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. If you don't know what that is, it's it's MMA. If you don't know what that is, that's mixed martial arts. If you don't know what that is, it's uh, no-hold-barred, full-contact combat sports. And hopefully by now you have an understanding of what I'm talking about. Some people call it cage fighting, I guess. You might know it as that. Uh, CM Punk, he made his Octagon debut on Saturday, September 10th, 2016. And uh, after almost two years of training, the fight itself only lasted about two minutes. His opponent, Mickey Gall, young 24-year-old, recently turned pro fighter. I think he's 2-0 and is his record versus CM Punk's 0-0 professional record. He just he outclassed him right off the back CM Punk came out he did this weird kind of uh, he was almost like skipping towards CM Punk's weird I've never I've been watching combat sports I've never done combat sports but I've been watching combat sports for a good 20 years and I've never seen a fighter engage another fighter in that manner like skipping towards him it was was kind of weird but uh, he went to go throw a right hand Mickey skillfully feigned he was going to throw a big right hand but then ducked down grabbed the double leg took CM Punk down to the ground and basically Punk just didn't he didn't get off any sort of offense into the, in the fight whatsoever pretty embarrassing loss for anyone who's not aware CM Punk made his name as a pro wrestler prior to making his debut in the UFC he was wrestling in the Vince McMahon's WWE for about 8 years i think and uh, he didn't actually have any combat sport experience no karate tournaments jiu jitsu tournaments of any kind and yet, for some reason, he was granted a pro license to fight in the UFC. So he didn't have a single amateur fight on his record and just straight away, boom, you're a pro, kid. Best of luck to you, as I said. In preparation for the fight, CM Punk trained for a whole, well, not even a whole two years. It was kind of on and off. He got injured at one point. He couldn't train for about two, three months. So let's say, like you know, just kind of round it off. And let's just say he did about 18 months worth of training for an actual fight mickey gall his opponent he's been training to be a mixed martial artist a cage fighter or whatever for eight years at the very least if not more and just the difference in the experience and the skill gap really showed in this fight despite this to prove meritocracy is a lie cm punk got paid 500 grand as a just a flat fee yeah flat purse whether he won or lost he got 500 grand five hundred thousand dollars just to show up in comparison mickey gall Far more experienced, far better trained, far better fighter. He only got $30,000. And, uh, of course, the reason for that is CM Punk is a bona fide superstar. He is very, very well known. You're probably thinking, listening to this and like, what the fuck, I've never heard of CM Punk. Okay, well, he does have, I think it's 2.6 million followers on Twitter. Of course, the reason for that is, and this is something people have got to be aware of, there is a major, major difference between sport and... And spectator sport, not the same thing at all, not in the slightest. The difference between spectator sport and just a sport is, if you can get, if you can entice fifteen thousand people to sit really close to each other in a big arena, you are a spectator sport, and that's what MMA, boxing, kickboxing, prize fighting in general. That's what it is. It's a spectator sport, and you'll pay is determined by how many people you can draw, how many people you can entice to come see you, get off their ass, take out their wallet, put some money down, and buy a ticket to come watch you perform. And that's why CM Punk got paid so much more than Mickey Gall. So quite predictably, CM Punk got his ass kicked. And uh, the media narrative... God, I'm kind of sounding like a broken record with this media narrative stuff, but um, the narrative coming out of this one was that, oh, you know what, you've, you've got to respect CM Punk. You've got to respect him. Just, you've got to respect the fact that he got into the cage and, and he fought. And some people were, you know, saying, oh, look, he he lasted two minutes. He lasted longer than Jose Aldo versus Conor McGregor. or at least Jose Aldo, yeah, in his defense. Okay, yeah, he got knocked out and I think it was like 12, 13 seconds, but at least he landed a significant strike. He actually... Yeah, I think he uh, he opened up a cut above Conor McGregor's right eye. CM Punk got no offense in whatsoever. I mean, the stats were saying he uh, he had six or seven strikes, but if you watch the video, it's... They're these p- pitter-patter punches. Didn't count for shit, really. But yeah, you got to respect Punk, because he was just following his dream. <sighs> the problem with this angle that... Oh, you know, respect him because he's following his dream. is We respect people who follow their dream because... We have an understanding that they made sacrifices. They put a ton of effort into it. And it was their dream since they were a young age. And almost everything they did was building up to this moment. Those are the real dream stories. They're the ones we, we get emotive about and we really care about. CM Punk, it's not really... Was he really following his dream? You know, to me, it's more a case of uh, this is a, a millionaire playboy. Maybe not playboy, he's married, but this is a millionaire. He's sitting around his house. He's got a lot of free time on his hand. He's retired. He made a lot of money doing pro wrestling and he retired from it at a relatively young age. About 35-ish, 36. And I think he was kind of bored. And I think it wasn't really a dream for him to become a mixed martial artist. I think he had a fantasy about fighting in the UFC. You know, Punk skipped, unlike Dave Batista, another WWE former WWE wrestler, Dave Batista fought on the amateur circuit first. Well, I think he only he only fought on the amateur circuit. CM Punk skipped that completely and went straight to the pros. So I think to Punk, it wasn't a case of he wanted to be a mixed martial artist. I think he wanted to be a UFC fighter. Akin to those... millionaires and billionaires that pay the Russian space agency to send them up into orbit or to have a tour around the International Space Station and then when they come back down they talk about how they're an astronaut now you know what I mean I liken it to that rather than a a sportsman achieving their dream I mean is it your dream to fight in the UFC or to win in the UFC I mean whose dream is it to go to UFC and get the shit kicked out of you and get choked out in two minutes who dreams about doing that and uh, the reason why I'm being so hot harsh on CM Punk, in a way, Uh, leading up to the fight, in the days leading up to it, MMA journalists, they were uncovering a lot of, like, CM Punk went, he, you know, he went to one of the best camps in the world, one of the best mixed martial arts camps, training camps, but did he go there because he, you know, he really wanted to put 100% effort into this, or did he go there because he knew pro fighters go there, and they train there, and he just, you know, he wanted to be one of the boys Hanging out with former UFC champions and whatnot, and Punk showed up to Duke Rufus's camp, and uh, apparently the rumor is he showed up on day one and started talking about how oh I'm gonna, you know I want to I want to spar I want to spar with this guy and I want to roll with this guy and you yeah, know he's talking about proper professional top flight UFC fighters. And Duke Rufus had to kind of take him aside and explain to him, listen, bruv, you don't know what the fuck you're doing yet. The idea that I'm going to let you potentially harm one of my prize fighters which is how, you know, indirectly he makes his living through them getting big purses. The idea that I'm going to allow you, I'm going to take the risk of you hurting one of them, yeah, not a fucking chance. You're going to be hitting the pads with me until I think you're ready to spar with someone, not one of the best people we have. And it kind of reveals that Punk was maybe, you know, maybe he was a little bit delusional. But regardless, whatever fantasy... (laughs) false reality bubble seeing Punk put himself in. That bubble righteously popped by Mickie Gull. And uh and in the post fight press conference, Punk did one just entirely on his own. Yeah, you know, to kind of show that he is a superstar. He is a I'd say he's a draw. He probably he probably brought in, I would guess I'd say maybe 100,000 to 150,000 additional buys of the UFC pay-per-view. And that $60 a pop, 100,000 buys at $60 is $6 million of revenue that I'm guessing he brought around that figure is probably what he brought in for the UFC. And you could tell, uh I did not think he was expecting it, you know, from his post-fight press conference from the, well, both that and the interviews leading up to the actual fight. It seemed like he was genuinely delusional. Like he honestly thought, oh, it's, it's not it's not the case that I've only really got a puncher's chance of winning this. I think he honestly thought, like, this was his fight to lose, that he actually should really, maybe he should have been the favourite going into it, I don't know. But post-fight in the press conference, he was on the verge of tears. And I'm not, you know, I'm not engaging in schadenfreude here, but, you know, let, let it be a warning to people out there that there's a difference between following a dream Engaging in a self-indulgent fantasy. It's not the same thing. There's probably an alternate reality where I win and I'm still disappointed in myself Uh, That's just that's just who I am, you know uh, I'm I'm just really really hard on myself. I you know, I lost and it sucks and it was lopsided and it's upsetting but uh, You know, I I know I'm better than that Punk to your to your left. I'm curious. uh, Your wife was you know very uh you know cautious about you know watching you train being here tonight w- what did you say to her what did she say to you after the fights oh you guys are all gonna make me cry <laughs> 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 um, uh, she just said she was proud of me you mm-hmm. know all right so that's kind of sweet yeah he's, and of course it does take a certain amount of balls testicular fortitude to step inside and not to go on and engage in a cage fight and mixed martial arts fight, just by virtue of the fact that it is the it's the more brutal form of combat sports, It's definitely perceived to be more brutal than boxing, and I think that's why he got a lot of respect for it. But like I say, it's any anyone who's got enough money, you know, they're independently wealthy and they have the free time to go join a mixed martial arts gym. Almost any schlub could do it, and uh, you know, good for Mickey Gall that. He cut a good promo, as they say in the wrestling business. After the fight, he gave a good one-on-one interview with Joe Rogan and called out another opponent, you know, showing how smart he is so he could continue fighting in the UFC because, you know, of course, he is he's only just turned pro and the UFC found him because they needed somebody to fight Punk, who Punk may, you know, could possibly beat somehow. So good for Mickey Punk. Mickey Punk. Good for Mickey Gall hope he does well hope he sticks around and makes you know some good paydays and uh you know curious to see what CM Punk does next ah yeah poor old CM Punk but to be honest it's not an entirely unhappy ending as stated earlier Punk has come out of this being highly respected and uh Part of that had to do with the fact that he gave this rousing, if a bit banal and cliched speech after the fight was over. And uh, that's what's going to be playing us out on this episode of the Tom, Dick and Hyman show. This was the point that I would normally be saying thanks to uh, my partner, Hyman, or perhaps Tim, but both of them let me down. They bailed out on me last second. Thankfully though, ladies and gentlemen, you didn't bail out on me. You joined me, made me feel less alone. And, uh, I'd thank you very much if you would follow us on SoundCloud, Twitter, at TDH Show, like our Facebook page, and subscribe on iTunes. I'd be very demanding here. And uh, I'll hand you over now to CM Punk. This was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Second best night of my life, besides marrying my wife, obviously. I know there's a lot of doubters, but listen, life's about, you know, falling down and getting up. It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. It's about getting back up. So if there's any kid out there that's told by a parent or a coach or a teacher or somebody that they look up to, somebody that's supposed to push them and believe in them, and they're told no, don't listen to them. Believe in yourself. Sometimes... The outcome isn't always what you desire it to be. But the true failure in life is not trying at all. I know that sounds preachy and kind of weird for a guy who just got beat up. And <laughs> this is the time of my life. Thank you, Cleveland. Thank you for having the balls to do this, sir. And I look forward to seeing you continue your journey. See you on park, ladies and gentlemen.